so hey everybody Podcast by the Comics Place in Bellingham, Washington, brought to you by Murphy's Apple Juice, murphysapplejuice.com. We used to make shoes, now we make apples. Uh, every week, we show up at the comic store, we look at comics, we pack up our comics, we sort our comics, we pick our comics for our customers, and then we, we read pick a them bunch like of a comics. bundle of fresh apples. Fresh Apple Comics. Oh. That's a new name. We messed up. Should have called Moonbase Fresh Apple Comics. We should have, or we should have called the podcast that, but we didn't have Murphy's as a sponsorship at that mm-hmm. point, so it would have been tough. It would have been worth a lot more than what they pay us right now, I'll tell you that. The fact that they're paying us at all is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I just keep waiting for the cease and desist letter. Yeah. Uh, but they have the wrong address for us, which is very nice. <laughs> Suckers. It's a good loophole. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we read comics, then we come up here and talk about them. And uh, we also talk deeply about them and uh, because of that we have a recording from a special someone about our spoilers hi guys it's bowie congratulations to me for being here on this podcast there are spoilers so if it is more than you can bear (laughs) just hit pause (laughs) and go to your favorite hibernating hole and relax and read your comics then come back and drink some Murphy's apple juice and listen to the perfectly bearable podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Barry. Thanks You're for sending welcome. that in. <laughs> and I'll sit in a corner now. <laughs> uh, today, we're going to talk about Heroes in Crisis number one, Maneaters number one, Doomsday Clock number seven, Action Comics number 1003, Peter Parker, The Amazing Spider Man number 31. Mm-mm. Oh, 310. I'm upside down and backwards. <laughs> uh, Amazing Spider-Man number six, Scarlet, volume two, number two. It number two. Nice inclusion of volume two. Thanks. Spider-Geddon number zero, Old Man Hawkeye number nine, and High Heaven number one. High Heavens to Betsy. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. It's Firecast. I love it. Man, nothing but the good goofs, the good times, the hot juice. Speaking of hot juice. You know what I did this week? What'd you do? I took a bunch of Murphy's apple juice. I froze it into little ice cubes. I put it in the freezer, not in that order. I popped it out, put it in my cool little motorized blender thing with a shot of whiskey. Oh. And I made a whiskey Murphy's apple juice slush. Nice. Did that last night. Nice. I did I did something similar. I added a little bit of uh, fireball. Oh, gross. Just a little, just for flavor, because I'm allergic to real cinnamon, yeah. you know, like most people are. And then I also put just a strip of a leather shoelace in there for a little little leather oh. taste and uh, to go to kind of harken back to Murphy's olden days. You know what's mean? Killing a bunch of folks? How many people died in Heroes in Crisis Number 1 by uh, Tom King, Clayman, and Maury. Maury. Clayton, Tuesdays nope. with. Tom, Tommy O'More on oh. Colors. Mm. 
Ooh, this book, this book is good. Yeah, um, so this is the big event book that, I don't know if it was originally going to be an event or if it was just going to be a Tom Keene book, but he's just become the like superstar writer of the industry, so they had to make it into an event, but it's been seeded in some other series um, coming, coming for the last couple of months. So Heroes in Crisis, it's supposed to be kind of like Identity Crisis. I, I don't know. I was really excited about it. I'm totally sold on Tom King as a writer at this point, so I'm kind of biased going into it. Did he say that it's supposed to be like Identity Crisis? I don't know if he said it, or I don't think that it's like pitched as like Identity Crisis, yeah. but in terms of it just feeling like a big murder mystery. A big murder mystery yeah. that, that takes, takes a little more realistic look at how evil villains could be, like, but in, in more... Like less comic book ways, and kind of like, did you read here uh, Identity, Identity Crisis? Crisis? Yeah. So that's like, that's not a superhero crime, necessarily, right? No. It's more of it. It studies real life problems a little bit better than a lot of superhero comics do, like with less allegory in it, and that's what this feels like. It's. It's working. Yeah, I feel like in in terms of it's more identity crisis in terms of the usage of the word <clears throat> crisis than it is crisis on infinite earth, infinite crisis, or final crisis. Yeah, if that makes sense, it's more crisis of emotions. So the story is pretty simple. Uh, there are three things going on. Superman is showing up at this farm where heroes have gone to deal with some sort of PTSD emotions that they've had, and uh, he discovers that everybody at the farm has been killed. At the same time, Booster Gold and Harley Quinn are hanging out in a diner, and they get into a battle. And we're also being intercut with interviews of each of the characters that is ha- have been killed or are fighting in the diner. Um, that are, like, at Sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah, the characters who are at, at Sanctuary, which seems is a place like, where they're, they're dealing with their issues. Yeah, it seems like they're sort of uh, interview... When they enter the, the the facility, it's like Big Brother. Yeah, yeah. Like the reality show. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit more Road Rules. Yeah, sure. Sure. I've never seen Road Rules or Big Brother. I thought it was Beekman's World. That's Boy Meets World. And oh it's yeah, that's fucking too. <laughs> good. When this boy meets. So, I really liked pretty much every aspect of this. Um, I really liked the art. I think it was gorgeous, starting yeah. with like page two and three of this incredible Kansas landscape shot at an angle and with a scope that I've, I don't know that I've ever seen a landscape shot like that. And this incredible red light going through it that shows Superman in an insane hurry. Yeah. Uh, I read this two times. I'm, I was struck by it, uh, this shot both times. So I think the art was absolutely gorgeous. Um, the Booster Gold Harley Quinn conversation, we don't really know what's going on or why, but we know that both of them were in Sanctuary and they're having an argument. It seems like both of them thinks that they are the person who murdered uh, the, basically everybody at Sanctuary. And we're being introduced to the people that we are also seeing that they murdered at the same time. I, what I really liked was those sort of introduction interviews that these characters were having. Yeah. I think that they each showed an aspect of PTSD that demonstrated having a real awareness for what PTSD is um, and how it can affect people. Uh, yeah, I was I was just 
I really liked that. I loved Arsenal talking about drug addiction and the way yep. drug addiction ex- escalates. And Roman, was that a thing? Like when he originally started using heroin and stuff, was it because like he had been on painkiller pills because he didn't have powers and it escalated to like protect his liver and everything? It's been a long time since I read that a reprint of that original story, so I don't know if that was actually an aspect of it or you know it was just it was the late '60s, so they're like, hey, let's make a superhero with drug drug addict. Yeah. Well, I know I know the the story behind that having to do with the comic Comics Code Authority and DC right. trying to get in trouble with them, and it didn't work with that issue. Um, um <clears throat> I, that felt like a kind of a retrofit to me. Okay, and I, I, my, that was my feeling, and that's what sort of like again spoke to the strength for me of like Tom King's writing, mm. which was he. You know, Blue Jay, a character I've never heard of, can shrink and grow, and he shows that at some point he was struck with an arrow and he lost the ability to control that. And so when he's been sleeping, he'll wake up and he'll have a shrunk and he'll be drowning in an ocean of blankets. I love that helpless feeling that that yeah. creates. That's the nightmare I have every time I'm sick. Really? Yeah, that was. <laughs> I mean, not exactly, but pretty close. I, I relate. Yeah, that was a great thing. And and before you even get to his interview, just the introduction of his remains being picked away. Oh. And on my first time through, I was like, man, why is this costume in a bird's mouth? Like, that doesn't make sense. What's going on? And then on my second through, I was like, oh, he shrank, and he was murdered, and now he's being picked apart. Like, that is a very subtle, powerful visual. Super grisly. I didn't catch it on my first read either. And, uh, yeah, well done. Well done. Play man. I... I want the next two issues of this book right now. Yeah. So I can tell yeah. you what I think of it. Uh, I I really enjoyed this one, but it felt a little bit sparse to me mm-hmm. for a number one. My second time through, I was like, wow, okay, so not a ton happened in this. Yeah. Yeah. But I really enjoyed it. Except for what was in this, and Roman, I'm looking at you without actually looking at you, um, mm-hmm. is this awesome Freud quote. Uh, that Harley Quinn is saying to Booster Gold as they're in this diner. Mm-hmm. And the quote is, No one who, like me, conjures up the most evil of those half-tamed demons that inhabit the human beast and seeks to wrestle with them can expect to come through the struggle unscathed. Like, what a powerful quote and idea about humanity that I think is so awesome to serve as kind of a foundational element of like what it is to be a superhero. And it doesn't, it's not going so Alan Moore into the darkness of that, but to be combating the darkness of humanity means you're exposed to it. And whether you're the strongest hero or the weakest, like you can't expect to come through that unchanged at the very least. Yeah. And the way, and, and, and part of that also is the fact that, a, a counselor, a psychologist, whatever, listening to these things. I mean, what kind of – there must be a little bit of psychic trauma that over yeah. years of doing this that they have to deal with. And also the fact it works on the level that Harley, before she became Harley Quinn, was a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Do you think uh, – it, it, did you get to verify that quote? No. Because she misquotes Little Boy Blue later mm. in order to rhyme, oh, he's about to get stabbed in his fucking throat with goat. Yeah, she did change the lyrics to like all of those songs though. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. I this this is <clears throat> one of the this is actually I think cuz I'm a you know, I'm a big fan of the original Harley and not the current Harley. But in this issue, this I like this Harley cuz if she's going to be this 
kind of sexy, crazy girl, good. Make her crazy and dangerous. Don't yeah. have her be like kind of cutesy bad girl. Yeah. But sexy, cutesy bad girl. <laughs> I, I mean, like every one of those introductory interviews that they take, I thought was really well done. I love yeah. the Arsenal one about <laughs> drug addiction. But I even like really liked uh, the one about Hotspot, which is a character none of us knew about. Yeah. But just his, he creates this catchphrase just so that he's not forgotten. And the way that's immediately juxtaposed with Superman dealing with the sadness of him being gone and trying to like remember him by remembering that thing. And it just shows this weird sadness. And it like, it makes Hotspot's plight even more sad because it's like you were doing this thing to be remembered and you weren't even remembered. Yeah, and the shot of that when Superman can't remember his catchphrase, just that long shot with the clouds on the Kansas flat horizon right above Sanctuary. God, it's just a beautiful shot. <laughs> it's so lonely. And that's my favorite thing about this is, are the quiet moments. It's the panel mm-hmm. with no text in Hotspot talking. It's the panel yeah. of exactly that, like Superman in the field. It's At, at the end, it's... For me, it's Booster Gold looking at his hands on the second to last page, or on, on the in the second to last panel of the issue. Like, yeah, it it just made me think. Like, you look at your hands when when you feel like you fucked up. Yeah, I do. No, I no, I, I agree. And Booster's like Booster's power comes from that ring on his hand, and he's. I don't know. That was a really subtle little bit of acting for me. Read it twice. So, what do you give this guy as a, uh, as a like this number one issue here. I give it a 10. I I think that I could totally understand complaints about it, and I think that you could even say, like, not a lot happened in it, but I think that more than anything, it established a tone, yeah. and I think that that's the most important yeah. part of a maybe introductory issue of a thing like this, is saying, like, hey, this is what we're going for, and I really appreciate that. So I'm going to give it a 10. I, I, I loved it. I give it a 9. Um... I think it's really, really well done. I think I'll give it a... I'll also give it a 10. Because, yeah, I wasn't convinced, but what you said about tone, yeah, exactly right. I had a niggly little stupid fanboy thing with the Harley booster fight because I kept on trying not to because I was like, okay, maybe it's his mental state. He wasn't operating at full capacity, but the whole fight, I was like, come on, Harley can't take out booster gold. He's sad. I don't know enough about him. Well, for one thing, his... He's from the future. He was a janitor at the, like, superhero or Flash Museum or whatever. He's got a fucking force field in his ring. Man Eaters Number 1 by Chelsea Kane, Kate Nim... Nimzak? Mm. Nimzik? Yeah. Uh, Rochelle Rosenberg, Joe Carminga? Caramanga? <laughs> this is what the listeners want to hear. And Leah Mitternick. <laughs> <clears throat> this is... A comic book by Chelsea Kane, who did the uh, Mockingbird series that Marvel cut short around issue eight or nine, I think. And has done a lot of young adult... No, sorry. Has done a lot of novel writing outside of it. Rainbow Wow has done a lot of young adult novels. Nice. Um, This follows uh, a little girl and her her awesome dad in a world where, uh, for some reason, toxoplasmosis has mutated... And makes it so that if you don't get inoculated when you start your period, I think it's just young, like when you first start your period, or is it everybody? Yes, yeah, so it's like everybody is exposed to toxoplasmosis at this point, but there's a large hormonal shift that happens when you begin your period. So 
it can interact with it in such a way that it causes this. And so they they stop girls from having their period, and uh, the ones that they don't stop turn into giant werecats well, that so like it, to eat men. Is it 100% right? of them turn into giant werecats, or some of them can? I, I think it's mo- I think it's all of them. I can't remember, though. I thought it, I thought it was some or maybe a majority but not oh, all. yeah most people never experience any symptoms that changed with the mutation yeah um something to do with hormones yeah i think i think it's all of them i think it just happens yeah so that's why they uh made it so that like they they stop everybody's period can i say who this art reminded me of yeah howard shaken Really? Yeah. Not huh. the same hair, like the curly and thin lines there, but like the inking and the way it looks like people sort of glued into backgrounds huh. like Chicken does. Like, I kept I thinking that. that throughout the whole issue. Like, in a good way. Yeah. You can tell the people apart. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really liked, I really liked the dad. I did too. I thought he was like the perfect Ophi uh, cop dad. I really liked the cutaway page. It's not even a cutaway. It's just yeah, a why just a block. Was that page there? Like I don't know. I finished and I was like, "What? Why is this page?" I think oh. it's just to give you the the lay of that the land there. But I guess maybe we're not going back to it anytime soon. I, and I didn't know like if any of the people on there were like maybe the protagonist or what. All the cops are saying the same thing. I think I found something. Well, it's yeah. It's, it's oh, the that's radio. the radio. Everything there is okay. happening at the same moment. Right. So. I kind of thought it was just. For the artist to have fun. Yeah. The yeah. little narrative thing there. I just, yeah, I mean, I was I was just thinking, like, you get 20, 21 pages. What mm. are these two being used for? Getting Django sold on uh, the book. Yeah, I liked it. I thought this was a pretty good book. Spoiler alert, at the end, our protagonist uh, starts her period. Yeah, I think that it's, I, I think it's really interesting the way that they introduce how they had stopped people from getting their period. Um, and... You know, all these water things, or a mom, like, kind of turning on her daughter. But I like the idea of just sort of, like, but some people slip through the cracks, and then we have this awesome young girl who gets her period while sitting on the toilet, and it's the bath mat is this, like, cat whose mouth swallows the the base of the toilet, so it's this awesome, like, visual. And she's got, like, a a paw prints on the shower curtain. Yeah. 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 There's so many awesome visuals. The the alert on the phone is the ready... Is that the radiation symbol, except it's got cat ears? Oh, yeah, the fallout <laughs> shelter with cat ears, yeah. yeah. I really liked how much, how well this used every aspect of a comic. The back cover is a propaganda mm-hmm. ad from this timeline. Yep. The you know the last two pages are uh, incident report pages. The first page is something. It's got you know propaganda newspapers from it. Like it's it's just uh, there's other books that have done this that don't immediately jump to mind apologetically, but it's uh, it's just a cool usage of every aspect of a comic generation gone kind of did the same thing Front yeah. page back page uh we're all aspects of the story i think this is a pretty good book i i i liked it quite a bit i'll read the second issue because i like the tone I, I mean i do like it i think it was very well done yeah i'm i'm in i'll yeah. read at least the next issue or two i might keep going after that yeah i i think i, I like the idea of where cats um I don't think that this is necessarily written with me in mind, but I liked it a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, um, I really like the premise of, of this 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 virus, the t- disease, using that device to show just how how 
patriarchal society will jump on that and and keep women down right from boom menstruation, right from when they first become women, um, and exploring that. And and but it's not heavy-handed. There's lots of humor in here and just social commentary. The doofy dad. Yeah, I. And I also liked exactly like you said, like the way patriarchy turns on that, but then also like the way even women within that turn yeah. on women themselves, like the mom turning on her daughter. And it cracked me up that this girl, how old are you when you get your period? I don't know, 13? It changes whatever. from yeah. person to person. Yeah, whatever age she is, 12, <laughs> 12 between, between 12 and 14. But somehow she references Magnum P.I. And, and Miami Vice, the originals, is to this oh, I didn't realize kind of, that's what those were. Yeah, and I was just – they oh, cracked me yeah. up because I was like, how come this girl this age even knows what these shows are? And Dude, I'll, what, bet, I'll bet Eli, who's just a couple years older than her, really knows about those guys. Like the, the 80s are big right now, Roman. Are they big? Yeah. Yeah, you and I lived through them. Yeah, they so were big we then. Uh, <laughs> we don't remember them because of all the – all the cocaine and, and oh, yeah. uh, speedboats. You guys but, were yeah, the yeah. biggest coke hounds I've ever met. I never, 80s. ever wore a shirt that you couldn't see my belly button when it was uh, worn unbuttoned to its natural state. Yeah, and a nice paisley pink. I had that white roll-up jacket on the sleeves. You guys also never woke up not on cocaine. Sorry, that's a little <laughs> blue. I apologize for the drug humor. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, usually usually on a yacht with like four or five other people in our bed, sometimes each other. Yeah. Ew, yeah. God, this got yeah. very blue very a couple, quick. A couple of years ago, I woke up not on cocaine, and it freaked me the hell out. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell was going on? Everything was wrong. You know how you know you weren't on cocaine? Because you woke up, which means you had to have been asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you give it, Jeff? Um, I give it an 8.5. I think that it's a very novel concept, and I think it's very well done. And I think that... Uh, a lot of people could enjoy it. I'm finding a theme in my scores today. We'll see if this sticks. Glitter? No, one less than Jeff. Seven and a half. <laughs> I liked it. Not for me, but it landed for me. Mm-hmm. So, well done. It really surprised me, cause, especially because they had one glitter cover. Mm-hmm. So that totally gave me the kind of a different idea of what the comic was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'll give it a nine. Nine, nine cat paws. Sorry. clock. You can just stitch that together in post, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I have a lot of free time that I spend <laughs> editing, right? Like, that's what I love. I love that everyone assumes Jeff can just fucking edit it. <laughs> Make me sound smart. Jeff could do anything. Uh, yeah, Jeff doesn't get to live his own fucking life. <laughs> Doomsday Clock number seven by Jeff Johns with Gary Frank drawing it and Brad Anderson coloring it. I feel like this turned a corner here. I think it did, and that makes sense given that it's issue seven. So it's like, okay, we made it through the first half, and now we're entering phase two. Right. You got which, a year left. If at least, yeah. yeah. We got a, but it turned a corner, and also, yeah, hit the gas too. Yeah. Um, this issue gives us Doctor Manhattan, who we've been missing, gives us a big old punch him up with Batman and uh, the marionette and the mime, and. Ozymandias and gives us oh, gives us great reveals with uh, Rorschach finding out that Ozzy didn't actually have cancer. That was a great moment. That Yeah, the whole lead up to that and the reveal were really, really well done. I felt so bad for Rorschach yeah. and kind of dumb for not thinking that before. 
Yeah, hmm. it was weird that I did immediately trust all the x-rays in his house. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. Although I wouldn't be surprised if those were somebody else's x-rays or somebody has cancer or there's something going on in his brain. Like, I don't know. It would be weird to be our total red herring, but also right. I don't mind it if it is. Maybe. Maybe. Go stay on. with me here. Maybe that mass in his brain is the whole rebirth universe put there by Dr. Manhattan. Pause. Pause. Pause a moment, everybody. We have to rewind. Django? <laughs> Foley? Yes. Rewind sound. Thank you. We did not have a conversation about Heroes Crisis, Heroes in Crisis so that we could have it on the podcast, and then we didn't. You said it means that somebody can make somebody else see things. What were you saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he so. He had a good thought. I could feel it from his second read, and I we cut it off, and I want to know it now. So in Heroes in Crisis, we'll get right back to Doomsday Clock. Yes. But in Heroes in Crisis, after Booster and Harley have their battle in the sky, Booster says, and then you, Harley, I saw you hurting us and killing us. And Harley says, oh, Goldie, how deep did you crack? I didn't. I saw you. With all, with my, I ran, I stupidly ran from you like a coward, a freaking coward. Not Goldie, I didn't save him, but I didn't kill him. You did. So somebody made them see opposite things. Okay, I didn't put it together that way. I thought McBooster was saying, like, I saw you killing us. Like, you were like a cancer to this environment, you know? Like, you were this thing bringing us down, and then you killed us. And she's like, no, I saw you kill us, which then made it be like, Booster is so crazy that he doesn't know whether he did it or not. Right. But I did not interpret it in the way that you just said, which is... Mysterio did it. Somebody is making other people see other people having done it, and that is cooler. I like that. I don't know. I like both. That's the thing. I like like both those. And and this makes me think, yeah, where's Skeets? Because Booster, because he was a dope, he never studied the past history. So he should know it, because Skeets... In the comics and stuff, Skeets would always fill him in about things in the past. Wasn't what happened with Skeets, Skeets at the end of that Batman? Hanging thing? out with Bane in that last panel of was. issue was fifty. Yeah, yeah. So Skeets is hanging out with Bane, oh. which is heartbreaking. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that was and without in... Skeets, Booster's just all a big mess. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe a so, murder. Back to Doomsday wow. So we got Mister Mister Manhattan Man back, and <laughs> that. I think was what this series really needed because that this whole thing is like where is Manhattan did our reality is it related to the Watchmen universe and if so it's because of him yeah so without his presence the series to me was starting to feel a little directionless um I really liked the first four issues but by five and six I was sort of like okay where like this is well done but should I be waiting to read this all together yeah and uh and this then confirmed that no, I really like reading it issue to issue, and and th- there's a larger thing going on. And I don't know, Roman, what did you think of this one? I, I liked it a lot. In fact, I just read this back to back with uh, Heroes in Crisis. Um, there really was a lot more happening in this issue that was all very exciting. Um, starting off with the whole revelation that Manhattan went back in time and altered. Alan Scott's so he didn't become the original Green Lantern which apparently led to the JSA not forming that was such an awesome thing and And I don't really know Alan Scott very well I don't really I wasn't I I need to read this issue a second I'm gonna read Mm. the whole series a second time but like 
the feeling this issue gave me was like, oh, there are these pieces here and there's a larger picture that I really do want to check out and figure out. Like, I don't know. I love that in comic books. Yeah, and I like the Manhattan, as he did in Watchmen, kind of narrating and jumping mm. years and stuff. and All in the then. present tense. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. <laughs> Roman, hmm. do we know if the JSA happened in Rebirth? I don't think we do yet. I mean, they've okay. been teasing about that, but... So we still don't know like if this every, is the every, future of Rebirth or... Yeah, I uh, mean, even in, what was it, the... What was that Rebirth double size special launched the whole thing? Rebirth. No, just Rebirth. Um, but yeah, I mean, Johnny Thunder was in that. Okay. Hint, hinting about... And eventually there's supposed to be another JSA title, I, I think. I wonder what they're going to do with that. Like, I wonder if they're going to do it like the original way in which it's like multiple <laughs> Earths, or I wonder if it's going to be this Earth, but the mm. older world, like, you know, like... The, you know, predating yeah. them. I'm, I'm very interested. I really like the action in this. Uh, I thought that the action was really, really well done where uh, the mime lunges at Batman and cuts his ear off with her almost invisible thread. And we've seen her use it before. That's Marionette. God damn it. <laughs> right, because she's got strings between her hands yeah. like a marionette. I really like that. <laughs> I really like that too, because just the fact that when Batman blocks it and her whatever that thing's made out of her razor wire, yeah, it actually starts slicing through Batman's gauntlet, yeah, and makes him scream. It's like, whoa, jeez, <laughs> and that like this Joker is just insane and <laughs> yeah. wonderful, yeah. and the way he like it's even, like '80s Joker, yeah, yeah. Another podcast I listened to. Uh, Compared it to like Brian Bull and Joker, yeah, that's exactly basically the same yeah, cartoon yeah. or same costume. Yeah. Like when he puts the flamethrower between his legs, it's like that's a little hairier than uh, the DC universe usually. I know, gets, I got but... scared and I was like, "Are people going to get mad at DC for this? Because that's all that happens anymore?" I thought it was great. Yeah, I did too. And uh, just the the insanity of Ozymandias is wonderful. Yeah, and I loved uh, I loved seeing Doctor Manhattan's dick, and nobody. Nobody sold came this in issue for, that. for $90 online. Uh, you want to put one up? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's bundle try. it. Let's bundle it with Batman Damned. Did we? Oh, I guess that, that one long shot, yeah. Did you guys uh hmm? Did you guys catch all the checkerboard the, like the chessboard stuff? Not super, super well. I mean, I really liked because they were standing in a room that was checkerboarded, and then he cut the floor out of that, and they went to a different planet, and they were standing on it. But also there's this metaphor of chess and checkers, you know, running throughout the series. And also, also they the appear in the movie. They appear in the Nathaniel Dusk movie. Oh. And there's a chessboard or a checker, yeah, chessboard on the, the screen of the movie they show up in. And we get more Nathaniel Dusk. It's amazing that you love that so much because I bet, I mean, that is totally lost on me, but... But they're all in my file, Jeff. Well, I know they are. It's taking up a lot of room in the file, actually. Take them out and read what? them. What? <laughs> Holy. Um, so what do y'all give this issue? I give this issue a nine and a half. I it 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 did what I wanted it to be doing the whole time. I liked it. Um, and I got can't follow Dusk can't font. follow that scoring trend because I can't give it a ten and a half. Um, <laughs> but what I can do is give it a nine, which is what I think it is. I and I I think that I would like it more if I read it a second time. I think I would re- like this whole series more if I were to read it a second time, and I I intend to. Yeah. I'll give it a 10. Oh! <laughs> it said the creeper in it, Jeff. Yeah, yeah there's so much in 10. here I loved, plus that little mention of laughing and beware the creeper. I was like, oh, please, please bring the creeper into this. 
He um, loves it. Fuck, what if they do? They will. I, lo- I love the whole fight between Joker and Rorschach. Cause, Whoa, oh, wait a minute, wait nasty. a minute. But, I, just but, had an, I just had a thought. Um, and I want to see this artist draw on Creeper. Draw what? Draw Creeper. Of course you do. You want to yeah. see any artist draw Creeper. Dude, well. <laughs> on the second to last page, it yeah. says, we're exposed right here. What's that? Something's creeping through the darkness. Mm-hmm. Was that the Creeper reference? I thought it, there was a second It's the panel right, next, right after that. I think it's following us. Ha 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 Beware oh, the okay. Creeper. Yeah! Yeah, so, okay. So there's two Creepers references, even though there are panels next to each other. Anyway, that's very good. Wait, never mind. I, I, I give it a 10 because it referenced the, the pr- Creeper. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, is that cool if I put that on there? Phil says, no, I have to stick to nine. I wish he'd just use his thumbs. I wish he would just, yeah. Like thumb thumbs up, up or thumbs down, down Phil. It really surprised me about Bubatis and how he can feed off the... Oh, I know, so I many like cool that. things in this. Yeah. I like that they explain that, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good comic. Yeah. yeah. There's a real good chance that Action Comics was my other favorite book of the week. Number 1003 <laughs> by Bendis Paquette and Fairbairn. So I opened this up and I saw Yannick Paquette and I went, I, I alone in my house went, ugh. <laughs> Like, which is insane because I don't know why. He's been doing a lot of DC Rebirth covers and I don't think they're good, but I think it was the colorist. He was doing like all the Monster Men covers and they were just very flat and kind of gross and big jawed and um, I, I, I didn't like his cover work, but I did really like his run with of Swamp Thing with Scott Snyder. So, mm-hmm. um, And he did a Batman All-Star that was okay, right? I didn't really like that series. Yeah. Um, but so I was, yeah, I was surprised. It's amazing how All-Star Batman kind of killed Scott Snyder's branding a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, then I got like a couple pages in. I was like, oh, nope, I'm loving this. Never mind. I don't know why I think that I don't like his art. But I, I guess I did really want the uh, the Gleason art from the first two issues of this series. Mm. But this, this was great as well. But it was just funny to me that I don't usually audibly make sounds when I'm alone. And this one did make me do that when I noticed that. Did this issue come out on September 25th? 26th, I think, was the Wednesday. Okay, because in in the notes on the desk here, which has become kind of a gag, there's a 925 is circled as a deadline. So this issue follows the lady that we found out, I think just last issue, that she's maybe a bad guy or has uh, not great intentions for working at the Daily Planet. She's kind of spying on Clark, and, and she buys some kryptonite, and ends up bringing it to the office where Clark gets mysteriously sick because she's nearby with the kryptonite. And that was a really, really interesting scene. And that was like some really good Yannick Paquette because he's very good at almost J.H. Williams III-esque, like weird paneling, squiggly lines, um, Mm -hmm. incorporating background elements into paneling, just, just doing things in a really interesting way. And... Um, I think that was maybe the moment that I was like, oh, right, Yannick Paquette, I'm glad, because there was just this really weird, horizontal, strange panel break. and While Clark is, falling is being down. poisoned by, yeah. the, by the kryptonite, and he's trying to get everybody to get rid of her purse. And I don't think she ever figured it out. She just kind of leaves because she doesn't like all the other, all the commotion, right? Right, but there is this very strange telling <laughs> moment where she makes eye contact with him when she's getting into the elevator. Yeah. And it could just be that she's looking at the fact that this person is on the floor, but it also is sort of like we're looking at each other right now. And then after she leaves that situation, Batman batarangs her purse and steals it from her from an alley, which is just 
great. This this was a great depiction of Batman. I loved this depiction of Batman. I thought it was hilarious while while not being too jokey, right. which is like. You want Bendis, for me, I want him to be right up on that line. Like, yeah. I want him to be amusing, but I don't want it to be too jokey. Uh, and he's got... Yannick Paquette drew him in one of my favorite styles, which is like the Kevin Nolan-looking Batman. It looks like Kevin Batman. Nolan, for sure. And yeah. I, could, I could look at that guy's Batman all day. And then uh, at the after after he and Superman are have reunited and he's Batman's got the things superman's like what did you do with it and batman says i'm having it made into a friendship necklace yeah i loved that (laughs) i thought that was the perfect level of like awareness and sarcasm yeah Yeah. and so this cover this cover looks like an is it does it look like an old 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 batman cover it looks like an issue from all-star batman and robin from frank miller all-Star, okay, which I think... Where it's think, green light, and they both have their cape up, and the shadows cast on the back of them, but it's Batman like this, and then Robin right next to him. I think that was an homage Maybe. to year one. Okay. I think it's just Batman alone in a spotlight, yeah. just in that same pose. And With I think that that was a reference to an old 40s Batman and Robin issue, like one of the first appearances of Robin, oh, and they're both yeah, in the they, thing again. Yep, yep, yep. Um, this issue, I, I could be wrong. But I think that there was another instance in the early 90s, like 1990 or so, where Superman and Batman have a similar cover to this. But it's Lex Luthor with a ring that he made. And Batman ends up stealing the ring and saving it because he doesn't quite trust Superman. He needs a weapon against Superman Which someday. is what this issue basically is a reference exactly, to. Exactly. Exactly. I, I really liked the just kind of swirling meta of that. Well, so what I think... I really like is that Bendis is really kind of subtly showing how much he knows about the DC universe in all of this. Mm-hmm. There's a couple moments where he just sort of deep dive makes a reference. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's over my head. And it's a little throwaway. And yeah, yeah. it is. And I really like that. Roman, where, where did you fall on the, the vibes here? I really like that too. Like when Jimmy wakes up at his desk and he's having a dream about snapper car. And yeah, like, that. All right. I was like, <laughs> somebody else knows this reference that I do not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was a teenage sidekick mascot of the Justice League originally in the 50s. I liked <laughs> his characterization of Jimmy for as little or much of it as there was. Yeah. I thought, okay, he's not a super oaf. He's not super capable. It yeah. makes sense why they'd be friends. Like, cool. This there's, makes sense. There's always it. a sticky note that says fire Jimmy yeah. <laughs> in every, on everybody's computer. Dude, I loved those shots near the end of when Superman shows up to talk to that girl. Oh, um, and she, she like oh, yeah. clocks that he doesn't know that she's kind of a bad guy and she... She yeah. acts like the damsel in distress. I wanted to talk right. about that. Do you think that she, you think she's pretending? Yes. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. I was hoping that she wasn't, but you're right. No. Yeah. She yeah. like she looks up at him while she's right. I know. I yeah. know. I just wanted to for, to think of it as her being surprised that he was caring for her. No, I really like that that she like that shows how quick she is on her feet. Yeah. Right. And I really like what Superman looks like there. That's almost the most classic looking I feel like Superman has looked in this Rebirth era. Mm. Like yeah. the the cut of the top of his neckline there, the the trunks, like it's so, that is the most, like for some reason this horizontal side panel on the right there um, is is the most I feel like that has looked like a Superman, you know, in a long, long time. Yeah, this is one of my favorite issues, su- uh, Superman issues so far that Bendis has done. Every, everything in it was just great moments. I, I'm Perry, just the stuff he's muttering under his breath. The Perry and, is so and good. And the fact he yeah. says Great Caesar's Ghost, but he doesn't exclaim it, he just kind of says it like, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> great Caesar's. Yeah. Yeah. 
the cliffhanger at the end is fucking great. Made me super excited, but it doesn't this this book doesn't rely on you knowing or caring about what's happening in the larger Superman universe, I don't think. I give this one a ten. I give it a nine and a half. I'll give it a nine and a half. Wah bop. Roman, was there anything else you wanted to say about this issue? Uh it was all great, except there was a moment. I keep seeing that. Do you guys notice this? I keep seeing this in more comics. You guys see this? You heard because, of this because, yet? Because, yeah, 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 yeah. Because kids nowadays, you see, um, misspellings. Because everybody, I'm like, where are the editors? Uh, <laughs> you know, they don't do where that part of the, are the editors? Yeah, who watches the editors? Um, <laughs> who edits the editors? When Perry comes off the elevator, he's muttering about somebody burying their lead in, in the first paragraph. And lead is misspelled. It's not misspelled. What are you talking about, Wes? That's how you spell lead in this instance. What? L-E-D-E. There's lots of time where Newspaper Roman talk. gets on me for not using English language well I was enough. A, I was a this journal- was very vindicating. I gotta look that up. I don't remember that from journalism, journalism classes. It's Yeah. <laughs> uh, it jumped out at me because usually it's misused. It did sp- ah. stand out to me, and I was like, oh, this is probably well, that case, a different word. Good job on the editor. Because <laughs> you would normally like fill in with your brain, oh, the lead part of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll bet that it's some sort of printer thing. You know what I mean? So, let's talk about something else that was a big final. Uh, Chip Zdarsky's final issue of Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man. Chip Dirk Dirk. Uh, He wrote and drew this issue, and, you know, he did all the art in it. Um, And uh, I read this one. I've I've read spots of his run. I've probably read, like, six of the overall, you know, good chunk of issues that he did. And... um, some of them were very good, like really good. Uh, I don't think that the first two were super good or else I would have read the whole thing. I like the first two enough to have read the first two. Yeah, yeah. But this was very good. Yeah, this this was excellent. And I can't remember who was doing the art on the previous issues, but I really like his art here. Um, starts off with people just kind of... People on the street telling their experiences and their opinions of Spider-Man. But we keep going back to one, this mother, who's slowly telling her story about Spider-Man and her son. And it's heartwarming and heartbreaking. And this is a great why Spider-Man's a great hero issue. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, Continue on for me. I'm sorry that I spoke at all. No, 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 no. no, no. It's just, it was just <laughs> as with every single day of my life. Uh, oh, and now I don't. Oh. <laughs> you threw me off now. I know, I know. Hand. That's why I'm sorry. No, no. Your second part threw me off, not the first part. Um, there's even the continuing joke about Spider-Man visits this same hot dog vendor every day, and this woman, one of the women that talking about Spider-Man. Uh, She's observed that and knows, well, he doesn't take money for his, he doesn't get paid for being a superhero because obviously he's eating like free hot dogs every day because he can. I see him out there eating every hot dog. And I I love that kind of thing, that people notice little things like that. Yeah, I, um, I, I really, I really liked it. I, I, that, so yeah, Zadarsky is very good at writing heartfelt stuff, but I think you have to get through this weird um, shell of, like, jokey stuff to get there. Hmm. And 
I wish that he was a little bit more free with the heartfelt stuff and a little more subdued on the jokey stuff. Um, so one thing that occurred to me as I was reading this issue is that I don't like super, super wordy things. And I've always been a little bit confused by why I don't mind Bendis. What I realized while reading this issue is that what Bendis does is he, he'll put a lot of dialogue into a thing, but it'll be conversational. It'll be like person says, person responds, bouncing back and forth. Whereas that, you know, sort of monologue on the wiener stand there is just lots of bubbles of him saying something. And that is often what will slow me down in issues. That was just a thing that this issue made me realize. Um, but I think that when Chip Zdarsky is heartfelt, it's some of the better heartfelt comic booking that comes out, whether it's Marvel 2-in-1 or this one or other things that I've read of his. But those are the two that stand out. Yeah. Um, and, and I think... Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I was, well, I was just going to say, and your thing about the too much... You know, I think Zadarsky is at some level obviously aware of that because that page impressed me because it's two uh, long vertical panels. On the one, Spider-Man saving the hot dog vendor from the scorpion and venom and uh, hobgoblin or somebody. No dialogue, no text at all in that panel, in that half of the page. And the next one is Spider-Man sitting on top of this guy's cart, just yammering away as Spider-Man does. And the hot dog vendor's below him just with this look like, oh, God. And that's <laughs> Why the did I make is, this deal? That's what... Spider-Man does, so yeah. you know I, I forgive it as well. But. Yeah, and and I just like that juxtaposition there. So Darsky was like, okay, I'm gonna put all the all the text in this one spot. Yeah, I would like, I would love to read a book by him that was mostly heartfelt stuff, and yeah, and not very funny. I, I would like to read that. The art in this is gorgeous, and I yeah, I really like. So Spider-Man at some point. This kid was paid to be a lookout for these two criminals, and the kid says that as he's about to arrest them, and it turns out that um, Spider-Man then webs him up to the ceiling so the cops don't see him and arrest, and they don't arrest him. And then the mom keeps doing the interview for this documentary, which is the framing device of this issue. And uh, what we learn is that Spider-Man was sort of just kind of checking back in with this kid and helping him with his homework, and then one day he wasn't at his house and it turns out that the people who had gotten arrested in that breakout presumably killed him and Peter Peter Piper Pidelman you know gets those guys arrested and then he goes up to this roof and cries and there's this awesome moment it did a really good job of reiterating that Spider-Man is this guilt laden character Yeah, and that is one of his most human aspects, and a lot of people just lean on the great power, great responsibility moment. Um, and this is a little v- variation from that. It expresses the huge guilt that Spider-Man has, but it isn't so much like, hey, if you have power, you need to use it. It's like, you did everything that you could in this situation, but things still went wrong, and you still feel this guilt. And so I, I like that kind of different angle lens on the, the Peter Parker guilt. Yeah, I did, I did too, and with how we slowly, that's revealed through the mom's words. Because we, we very slowly find out, as she does, well, she finds out she hears voices from her son's bedroom, and she peeks in, and Spider-Man's sitting there at his desk in full Spider-Man costume helping him with the Pythagorean theorem. I can't even say it. Um, and, the, and there's two panels I really like during interviews. One's with that mom that concludes, I think we should all be more like Spider-Man like you were saying, without the great power responsibility thing, just try and be more like him. And when Peter, at the very end of the issue, says about Spider-Man, he's never going to stop trying. Yeah. Wow. That's a great summation. Yeah. So I, I really, really liked it. Um, I okay. give this one an 8.5. 
I love this cover too. The one with Spidey's upside down and below, below the the bricks. Yeah, a lot of black. Did there. you see the variant of the person trying to take a picture of him while he's getting like swinging, but he's not. They can't quite get him in the frame, so it's just his foot in the frame. Oh no, I didn't see that. It's I love it. The Zdarsky <laughs> variant. Yeah. Oh cool. I'll get. Yeah, I'll give it a. <clears throat> I think I'll give this one a nine. Yeah. What a week of comics, guys. Yeah. Um, hey Roman, could you really quickly tell me about that Spider Geddon issue? Spider Geddon. Spider Geddon. I can, cause I'm a Spider Geddon it. Ooh. <laughs> it's uh, Spider Geddon Zero, Christos Gage and Clayton Crane. Um, and apparently this is this is the debut of the uh, Spider Man latest Spider Man video game Spider Man version. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. He's part of Spider Verse, but I, I, this is the first time I've seen this guy. Okay. Because the video game came out like two weeks ago. So yeah. what they wanted to do was, well, I guess like three or four weeks ago, but they wanted to introduce that character into Spider-Geddon, which is all of the Spider-Man from all the different multiverses. So it's the first appearance of the comic book incarnation of the video game Spider-Man. He's got a cool costume, too. I mean, it's basically Steve Ditko's classic design, but there's there's some extra white on it, like the web shooters are on well, the outside, in the I video think. game, you learn that Otto Octavius, who is his science partner, made that for him because it's been shown that a small introduction of white causes uh, a nanosecond of extra processing for the brain because it's a harsher juxtaposition, and therefore it gives Spider-Man a nanosecond advantage. Ooh. And I, that's all he needs. I mean, wow, you know, I like, love that. That's he'll awesome. He'll take the nanosecond if he can get it. <laughs> I love that. That's great. I love the white, a little white spider on his chest. Yeah. Um, so this is a fun issue. He's on whatever earth he lives. Um, he's about to stop the tarantula from robbing a bank. And this is a new version of the tarantula. I don't know if it's the same Hector, what's his name, secret identity of the original. I really like the, the tarantula in this issue. I did, I did too. I mean, he's another, unlike the original tar- tarantula, he has an exosuit with extra arms, mechanical arms and that kind of stuff. Um, the original had toe spikes. And yeah. it was acrobatic. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that was it, yeah. He's the one who's on the cover of that first Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man issue, right? Yeah, he's about to kick Get Spider-Man. A wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And that's a redo of an earlier issue. Okay. Like, he has two first, he has two almost identical covers. We could do an entire podcast of audio snippets of Django explaining cover homages. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm not going to talk about how this looks like a Todd McFarlane position. On the cover of Spider Geddon. I think it is a Todd McFarlane. Sure position. does. Yeah. That uh, looks like that the cover of 300. Yeah. <laughs> Not Frank Miller's 300, which is obviously an homage to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, what'd you think of the issue? What'd you think of the characterization of that Spider Man? I really liked the uh, Superior Octopus, or sorry, he was, he was Otto when he was Superior Spider Man at this point. I really liked the dialogue. And growing relationship between him and this Spider-Man, I thought that was really well done. And that was mainly my favorite thing is is their dialogue. I'm not a huge fan of Clayton Crane. I mean, it's how did you put it earlier? It's he's good. He's technically good. Well, I don't. I mean, he's he's fine. But what I like about him is that nobody else really looks like him. Like it's very yeah. digital, and it's a it's a very unique aesthetic. And yeah, it's very unique. It's a little too. Uh, I don't think it's great panel to panel comic booking, like storytelling. But I, yeah, I like the picture of it. Like no, no, like I said, nobody else quite looks like it, so it's fun to look at. I really like. Yeah, it. Yeah, that way, it's a little too clean for me in some scenes. Like the streets. I mean, not the characters, but the streets and the backgrounds are just too clean. It doesn't look. It doesn't seem real. They look almost like animation cells. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. 
but the actual dialogue and everything I really liked. I really like how Otto comes to respect this Spider-Man somewhat. And this Spider-Man, of course, being a Spider-Man, ribs him and everything. And But they're going to go off and, and get this Spider-Man into the, at this point, the whole Spider-Geddon, Spider-Verse, whatever, crisis. Oh, wow, there's a great Spider-Man butt in there. That's great. Crane, gentle, Crane, gentle curve. Crane does do some butts. Um, I guess I wanted to hear about this because I spent the last week playing that PS4 Spider-Man game, and I just couldn't sleep two nights ago, and I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning and beat it at, like, 5 a.m. <laughs> um, and, like, I loved it. So if any of our listeners are video game people, it it is, like, the my most favorite game that's come out in the last, like, two years. I have mm-hmm. not liked a video game this much in a huge amount of time. Like, the web-slinging dyna- like physics are incredible. The story is amazing. The the dynamic that is set up between Peter and Otto, who is, ends up being the big bad of the game. Like, you see his whole transformation into Dr. Octopus. It's got Mr. Negative is the, you know, like, purported big bad. But in the background, you're seeing Otto become Dr. Octopus, and that's crazy. And he breaks the Sinister Six out of the raft. So you get this, like just incredibly well-woven story that you think is going one way and just is continually going another way. I really wanted to play it with Roman around because I think that he would just fucking love it um, or just love to even see it. Um, so I know we're not a video game show, but it was awesome. And I'm not a huge Mary Jane fan, but they like the characterization of Mary Jane in there is wonderful. The characterization of Peter is wonderful. It's a really incredible video game. So. Hmm. 10 cool. out of 10 for the video game for me. You got to talk about that with Ashton because Ashton, oh, he, been... he stayed up like until the wee hours playing oh, it yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you give the issue, Roman? I'll give it a 7.5. I'll give it a 7. Nice. I liked it. I didn't love it. I like the art a lot. And uh, the tarantula was my favorite part. And all those weird webs in that issue. <laughs> a lot of webbing. Everybody say hi to Brayden. Hi, hi Brayden. Hi, everybody. That was Brayden. <laughs> Bye, Brayden. Peter Parker Spider-Man 310 was really good. What do you give it? One out of ten. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. 10, 10, 10, 30. 10, 10. 40. 40. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> no, that's 50. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Uh-huh. 50. Wow. Roman, you're so good, and I love you. Listen, we're <laughs> we're changing things up a little bit. We've been doing buckshot rounds. We're trying to do short, not quite buckshot rounds now. Uh, so we've just finished the portion of the podcast where we, you know, do our, what, what, what do you call that? Our in-depth reviews? Um, anyway, in between what we just did and what, what we we're going to do. What we call the new portion is the Murphy's Minute. The Murphy's Minutes. Uh, sponsored by Murphy's Apple Juice. Uh, used to make shoes, now they make apple juice. <laughs> I would if encourage. I was stoned, I'd think that was fucking funny. I'm not stoned. And it's not funny, it's true. Just before the Civil War, they were a shoe manufacturer. They were cobblers. And at some point, Murph, Murph, Murphy decided... quotes Murph, Murphy. Murphy, Murph, Murphy uh, started making apple juice. If you haven't been to the Murphy's Apple Juice website, do please go check it out. Uh, Murphy'sAppleJuice.com Slash Papcast will get you some free apple juice. 
Get you four free um, bottles of apple juice. Uh, we can't guarantee which bottle they will give you, but actually, if you go to the website, it does show a really nice visual array of silhouetted different bottles that they have. Um, they can guarantee that you get some of most of the bottles that they have. My favorite bottle of theirs is the Hitchhiker, I believe is what they call it. It oh. just looks like a gas can full of apple juice. <laughs> I liked the one that almost looked like a squirt bottle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, it's, it's a clean-tasting apple juice, I'll tell you that. Murphy'sAppleJuice.com backslash papcast. We really appreciate what they're doing. Thank you so much. Enter, or, 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 you don't even have to go to that web address. You can just enter the code papjuice at checkout, and Bob's your uncle, Apple's your daughter. Murph's get, your uncle. Murph's your uncle. Uh, let's talk about Amazing Spider-Man number six. I haven't read it yet, but I really want to. It's really good. They I don't finally... have my favorite part of this whole thing, which has been Ryan Otley's art, which is why it got put onto the I'm going to read it tomorrow status. I really like this issue. I don't think it has anything to do with not having Ryan Otley's art. <laughs> but uh... Wait, do you not like his art very much? I do like his art. I do like his art. I said I don't think that that's why I like this yeah, one more than I like the other ones. Said it. Uh, Nick Spencer writing, mm-hmm. Umberto Ramos drawing it, and Victor Olazaba, Olazaba inking it. Um, this just kind of follows Pete dealing with his shitty, shitty roommate. It's got a, a little short bit where we have Steve Lieber drawing some pages where the superior foes of Spider-Man are playing poker together. And uh, Pete ends up getting roped into doing a trivia night... At the bar, is it the bar with no name? Is that bar with called? no name, yeah. The bar with no name. And so he he brags to his roommate, who's Boomerang, that he knows a lot about Spider-Man. And Boomerang takes him to Spider-Man Trivia Night at the bad guy oh, bar. Oh, I don't want to hear any more of this because I'm so excited to read it. <laughs> it's great. It's, it is. It's really funny. And uh, I, I did have one problem with the way the phone... There's a phone thing that I didn't get, but I thought this was a great issue. Easily my favorite issue of the series. Uh, I, I would give this a seven and a half. I'd give this an eight. I think this, this series is a good, good goddamn comic. Is going to get better now that we're out of the first arc. I think that a lot of that first arc was establishing tone, establishing where characters are, and uh, I really liked it. Um, the, the original arc. Yeah. And I'm just, I, but I think it had like some growing pains. So I, I, I think that I hope we get just more issues like the way this one sounds. It's just like put the clutch in and show us a day in the life of Peter Parker, because bumbling fool. I like his characterization of Peter. Yeah. Like I like that Spider-Man. There's a lot of different takes on Spider-Man. You give it a 7.5? Seven, seven and a half. Okay. So. Or an eight. I don't know. I don't know what I, I think seven. I settled on a seven and a half and then I said an eight. But I had some, get out of my Gordon. Oh, sorry, Phil. Phil's giving me the stink eye. Ooh, you got to talk better, and Jeff's got to talk less. Brush, brush. Hey, Roman. I'm trying, uh, I'm trying to figure out the phone thing, too, actually. Well, I want to talk a little bit about Scarlet Number 2 by Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev. B-M-B. Oh, I didn't know we were done with Spider-Man yet. I really like... We made it to the four-minute mark, so that's oh, kind of okay. what we're trying to do. Like we just introduced, and like we had a, a little <laughs> moment about last week as well. Um... I really liked Scarlet number two. I didn't like it quite as much as number one. And the big thing that seemed different to me was that the art seemed a little bit rushed. There was like this one panel where I was just sort of like stunned that they let this panel go through. Um, and it, I know that Bendis is very, very pumped that these books should be shipping on time. It almost just seemed like there was this like, hey, Alex, you have to get this book out by this day 
and if you don't, it's gonna be. It's just like a way less deti- detailed, thicker line. You know what that panel looks like to me? What's that? It looks like what Alex Maleev is doing is taking a whole bunch of photo reference, uh, running it through Photoshop to simplify it, and then redrawing it. And that panel looks like they forgot to do the redrawing part. But it does look significantly different than other panels, right? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Like I stopped and I was. But I also maybe it's a zoomed in panel. Maybe it was supposed to be a far away shot. Yeah, that because it sense, almost looks actually. like just, just a, not kind enough. of a shittier close-up version. The other thing about this, too, did you read this, Roman? Nope. This two-page spread, like, is a, it's a two-page spread, and it would be twelve panels, um, six panels per page, and it is not clear which way you're supposed to read this. Is it a left panel or left page then right page, or is it a double-page spread all the way across? That's just the very... game fucking Bendis plays with you in some of these comics. Yeah. He did it a lot in Powers. He did, he did it in the last issue of this book, too, I think. Well, I don't think that it was done this ambiguously. I think that they do intentionally try to overlap art a little. Yeah, but that's not... There's it a panel overlaps. division yeah. in the spine that prevents you from knowing where it, where it goes. Whereas this could either go all the way across or it can go down. Which, yeah. you know, I don't know, this whatever. Is, this is like... It kind of tests your skill at reading a comic. Because I think that looking through the rest of the issue, anytime you're not supposed to read across, the panels are mismatched. Um, it clunky. There is some really, really nice art in it, though. Um, yeah, I, I'm still really excited about it. I don't. I didn't know how interested in the whole like presidential negotiation portion of this plot that they introduced at the end of issue number one, but I do. I really like where they're going with it. I really like this character. I really like the world they're setting up. There is some really, really nice art in it. And some really nice kind of psychological studies in this, too. Yeah. I, I was really impressed with how they set up and then uh, messed with the guy that they sent in to hand the phone off to her. I, yeah. I really like that she called him out for being a guy that looks like her ex. And, like, like the whole thing was really, really There's well a done. mental game being played within there, and I really liked how they addressed it. Um, it does have, a you know, a couple interesting pacing issues i think that it could have used like four more pages to introduce the transition of sort of this moment that happens between her being with a whole group of people then to being alone um and kind of breaking down there's some beautiful pages but um i really really liked it i'm excited to keep reading it i give this one uh an eight i also give it an eight i liked it a lot more than the, the last issue the i know you really liked the first issue i really did i really liked the second issue yeah Hey, Roman. Yeah. Could you tell me what happened in Detective Comics? Because I did not read this issue yet, and I know that the last issue was the first James Robinson issue, and it set up this weird Firefly villain murder mystery, and James Robinson wrote that really awesome two-face-to-face arc. Oh, yeah. From one year later, right after Infinite Crisis. Yeah, right. I'd forgotten about that. I think that's really good. What, like... I saw well, in the next issue, Two Face is supposed to be in it. How does that character get introduced into this? Um, he does return to Two Face, which is great. Two Face is one of my favorite Batman villains. So, Detective Comics 989 by Robinson, Segovia, and Placinia. Um, there's two Fireflies that are trying to solve the mystery about there's the original Firefly and now his new protege, um, this woman who's taken on also the name Firefly. And it starts off with Batman and, and Alfred hanging out in the Batcave. You know, Alfred being smartass and sarcastic and trying mm. to get Batman to take care of himself. And then we go see the Fireflies and they talk. Two-Face is introduced. Commissioner Ooh, Gordon. that's a cool Batmobile. What's the deal with that? 
I think I, try, I was trying to remember what era Batmobile kind that. of is that. I mean, the, the front hood scoop is kind of 40s, but mm, the rest is... It's the animated like, Batman. It's a little animated, animated movie, series, yeah. but it's got some Sean Murphy in there as well. He does a sort of beefed up animated series. And one. that Batman, yeah. that bat face on the front looks like the one from Killing Joke. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of good moments in this, a lot of good character moments. I mean, just Commissioner Gordon mentioning that I'm going to turn off the bat signal because, you know, the mayor's getting on me for how much electricity this burns up when we leave it burning. <laughs> <laughs> how much electricity could that possibly use up? Like five dollars story. When I was a young boy, I went to the old Friday night football game at high school. Young boy, old game. I was about twelve years old. I went to the football game. All the cool kids were hanging out. They were hanging out by the, you know, you got the four big stadium lights, and a bunch of them, you know, four big lights shining down, and uh, they were all hanging around this like big pillar that was around one of them, and I was like standing on it. Because it had a cement thing. I was looking down on my friends. All the cool kids, the pretty girls, the cool boys, thinking, gosh, I'm just a big old flub dub. And I accidentally hit this switch there, and it shut off the entire (laughs) power, that entire 25% of the lights for the football game that was going on. And they had to stop the football game. To return on the lights, which took several minutes because so much power needed to be used to turn on these incredibly powerful lights. And the principal came down and said that it costs a fortune to turn them on. All right. So I don't know how much it costs, but I do have a humiliating moment of my past that, um, yeah, maybe it is that, kind that of shows expensive. that this is a thing. So you're James Gordon and the mayor of Gotham is your principal. Kind of, except I'm way less capable than James Gordon. <laughs> um, you look both like big scars, though. Sure do. Scars? They're scarves. You should I see like my scars. scars. Scars? Scarves, guard. Uh, there's more more hints in here. Tweedledum and Tweedledee show up, so we got the double another double clue, oh. as there was some double clues last issue. Because it's going to be the Riddler? Yeah. Because yeah. it's clues? Totally the Riddler. No, it's not the Riddler. At the very last page, it's a Two-Face, Two-Face shows up. And then we're going to have an assault on the GCPD next issue. Because um, Two-Face is after Gordon. He's not after Batman this time. Mm. Wow. What if these guys went after other people? Have you read that face-to-face arc? I don't remember it. But I did See, read it. that's the thing. It. I don't remember it either, but I know I read it. And I think I remember because I read really everything liking Batman it. Then. Yeah. What was it in? It was in that one year later arc where... It was in that one year later arc where, right after Infinite Crisis, like, yeah, and, and it was, I think it went between Batman and Detective Comics. I think you'd recognize the covers, which are like these weird half shots oh, yeah, of yeah. Batman heads and Two-Face yeah. heads. And it was really good, but I also don't really remember it at all. I remember buying it. I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. Can I just mention, I love the cover of this. I wish we could show a visual, because Batman's on the ground, the fireflies are lighting up Batman's like half of his his shoulder and the right half of his face and Two-Face is flipping his coin behind him making a joke going, oh look Batman, now we're twins. Mm. I love that. It's so funny. Is it the twins part or is it the the horrible burn scarring on Roman Batman's face that you twins. like so much? I, I love I love Two-Face making that joke and the fact that he made sure that they're burning the, the opposite side of Two-Face's scarred face. Like a mirror. Yeah. Face to face. What do you give it? Ooh, uh, I'll give it an eight. <laughs> <laughs> Old Man Hawkeye number nine, Sax, Chiquetto, and Mosa. 
this is another awesome issue of Old Man Hawkeye. I think that I like this issue more than I've liked the last two. It's got a great fight scene between Hawkeye and Songbird. And we finally get Bullseye showing up to take down Hawkeye. And I, I really enjoyed that. The battle yeah. of the eyes. And who's this silver person? I can't see from over here. A human bullet. It's like an X-Men villain or something. Oh, it's uh, it's Avalanche. 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 Yeah, old versions be- of Avalanche are in here. Looks like an old Taskmaster. I really like this universe so very, very much. It, it's a... Uh, I forgot my joke. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Darn it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I... I love this book, and I don't know why, and I'm going to be so bummed when it's done, but I love the art in it. I think it's perfect. I can't believe this guy is getting this book out monthly, like yeah. art-wise. Like, it's really pretty and really detailed, and this writer hasn't really written other comics, and it's awesome, and the songbird stuff, like, she can't speak, so she's writing all these messages to Hawkeye, and there's just this, she's super guilt-laden, and then Bullseye shows up, and it's just this, like, really great issue and there's just some beautiful pages and bullseye's super upset that hawkeye's going blind which i thought was really cool because he's just looking for a good old fight and when he finds out when he when he uses his cybernetic deathlock eye to figure out that um clint is going right. blind he's like oh no i don't want, like it's not the challenge that he wanted right yeah it's uh i don't know i I really like this universe, the old man blank universe, when when they do it well. I really like the sad future of heroes when it's all gone to shit. And I, I guess I like, I love and would rather have, you know, optimistic futures as well. But at this point, like, between the original old man Logan and this, like, we're really flushing out this wasteland universe really well. I like the people that are in power. I like Baron Zemo. I like Red Skull, who's become the president of this. I like the way the territories of the United States have been broken up. And I like the sort of key events that have caused the heroes to die. Like, it's a really well... I like all the aspects of this universe. At the rate that they're going, they're just going to have to keep doing prequels because they pretty much kill everybody they're allowed to (laughs) throughout this series and then throughout Old Man Logan... Yeah, There's old, not a lot of heroes left to talk about. Old Man Logan, they kill all the heroes yeah. in a flashback. And in this one, we find out how all the other heroes died. Well, but yeah, like we still have a few of them. Right, right. And yeah, what do we do before this? What, what, what do we do when they have Old Man Other Hawkeye Lady? Yeah, I don't know. But it's, it's, it's super good. I really like this cover, the Venom stuff, the... the you got the King Hawkeye, but the also the female King mm-hmm. Hawkeye over there. Anyway, really, really good stuff. I give it uh, an 8.5. No, I give it a 9. This is one of my favorite books coming out right now, and I really – it doesn't seem like a definitively Jeff book, but it is every issue one of my favorite things I read. I'll give it a 7.5. Yeah. It's great. I will give it a 7.5. How many issues is it? You like? read it? Yeah. Oh, my boy. Yeah. How many issues is it? 12. Okay, what issue is this? Nine. Oh, okay. Roman, did you read High Heaven? I read it to High Heaven. Ooh, <laughs> Zabadoo. So it was uh, Tom Pyre with Greg Scott on art, and also Chris Gairuso on art, and also Rick Geary on art. They had three different stories in here. This, I thought this was great. 
this is a whole lot of fun. It's uh, basically just this dude who dies and goes to heaven. And when he gets there, like he, he dies literally with a piano falling on his head. Um, when he gets there, he's ushered in and heaven isn't nearly as cool as he thought it would be. It's kind of like you live in these tenements and your key card may or may not work properly and your like your back sucks and you've got bunk beds to sleep in and <laughs> the food is all like cheese dip and sticks and as as this guy finds out when he sees something a little bit sexy on TV he's got like a Ken doll crotch and uh it's just not super awesome. <laughs> I bet that he finds out that he's not in heaven, he's in hell. Yeah, that would be okay. Um I hope he doesn't. I hope he finds out that there's just like too many people in heaven and they ran out of resources and it kind of kind of isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Did you read the uh text piece by Grant Morrison in the back? I did not. I don't read things without pictures, Jeffrey. <laughs> I, I read the Grant Morrison thing. I read everything in this issue. Roman loved it. I did love it. Why I don't mean, you marry it? <laughs> the in fact I and when I read the Grant Morrison thing, I was I think, Jeff, you gotta read this part. Um it was very funny and very weird. I'm not sure I got it all. I need to reread it. But uh, I did like the High Heaven main story, which I didn't really expect to because from the cover I thought it was, I don't know, I thought it was just going to be some pot joke thing. And it's not that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, I need some pot joke in there. <laughs> I even like the middle story, the kind of cartoony story that's uh, hashtag danger. Um, which I think is just. Sorry, that was so rude. I, I don't know. I don't know what I was gonna say. The funniest thing about it. I know it was, it's because I fucking <laughs> ruined it, man. It's the, the second time this podcast. <laughs> the funniest thing about it was that uh, it spelled out hashtag danger because the person she wanted it to be a hashtag symbol, um, but the designer, the other teammate, was like, "Hey, let, let's let's fuck with her. Spell it out." <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna uh, say go ahead, something. Jeff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do it, um, do it. I think what we're all really excited no, about is Snifter of Terror. Shut up. <laughs> is Snifter of Terror from Ahoy Comics. Edgar awesome. Allan Poe's Snifter of Terror. As long as it's got that Grant Morrison it's got text Mark piece. Russell. Is it Tom R- Pyre writing it? It's got Mark Russell yeah, in it. Yeah, it's Mark Russell doing it. Tom Pyre. I'm fucking sold. And Hunt Emerson. Man. Actually, I'm excited about Captain Ginger from them because it's like space pirates that are that are cats. What a fucking hilarious <laughs> business move. Like, well, we're a new publisher. We're going to get these new books out. How are we going to be able to get them? I don't know. Let's put a text piece by Grant Morrison in the back. Yeah. Because, like, sh- in yeah. previews as I'm ordering this, it says, like, writer, Tom Pyre, comma, Grant Morrison. So, like, <laughs> really? I was like, okay, well, I'll order four of these. <laughs> and and he's just doing a small three-page text piece in the back. Like, it's smart business yeah, move. Of and each I'm one. glad people are digging it. Though, so far, both High Heaven and uh, The Wrong Earth both really good stand, you know, entertaining books. A lot of writing. Yeah, I'm I'm impressed so far. The the their October creators include Edgar Allan Poe himself, right. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon Wheeler, who has one reprinted cartoon in the letters page of this. Like, sure, Who's Shannon Wheeler. Uh, he did too much Coffee Man, and he did the oh, illustrations right, 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 for right, Mark right. Russell's uh, right. Apocrypha yeah. Now, and got us disappointed, got disappointed in you. In you yeah. I recognize the name Juden Brigman. Isn't that an actress? Who is that? I don't know. I'm thinking of somebody from the 50s, probably. <laughs> Carol A. Carol A. Isn't Carol A. 
Is that a writer? What does she drink? Do? There are so many awesome <laughs> moments in this podcast of like all of us trying to remember a fucking reference of Romans from like the 40s. June Brigman's a drink? No, not really. <laughs> I bet I bet the base is Murphy's. Sebaceous what? Ew. Sebaceous crumb. I would give High Heaven a solid seven and a half. Which to me is like a perfectly acceptable comic book. Like this is, this is good comic. This is good writing. You read it start to finish. There's there's no real complaints. Solid stuff. Well done, Tom Pyre. Also sounds like a real solid departure from just like if you are interested in comic books but you don't like the idea of typical comic books at all. Here is a one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It was very relatable. This is just what it was like when I went to heaven. And what did you think, Roman? <laughs> Uh, I'll give it, I was just going to say a seven and a half. What'd you give it? I gave it a seven and a half. Oh, I'll do a seven and a half also. Right on, man. Right yeah. on, yeah, man. bro. When I was a child, I used to seven lay half. awake at night, terrified of having to go to heaven because I thought eternity anywhere sounded terrifying. Jesus, Like, dude. as a seven-year-old, I was like, I don't want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to heaven because I don't want to have to live forever. What if in heaven you get to do different things all the time? I get bored doing anything, man. I'm done with this shit. Like, I'm like a perfect <laughs> candidate for suicide. No. Ooh, oh, Jesus. God. Wow. You need Here, to go to I, sanctuary. I think that we have a voice. No, don't go to sanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's okay now. Oh, well, yeah. Everybody already like, died. Like, I got all the blood cleaned up and everything. Yeah. So. Oh, God. Um, they fucking killed Wally West. None of this is... They better be bringing him back. That's crazy, I mean, I don't dude. care about Arsenal, but Wally West better come back. That's they, insane. And they just brought him back. What, two years ago? Then they kill him? Yeah, but he was gone for five years. It was like they meant to kill him, but they forgot to actually kill him. <laughs> so they brought him back for Rebirth to kill him. Actually, they better bring back Blue Jay. I'm pissed about that. I'm kidding. Well, you didn't even no. know who Hotspot was. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Guys, we got a voicemail. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you want to hear it? Yeah. Here comes our voicemail. Hello, perfectly acceptable people. This is James Burke. I am calling to say congratulations on your 100th episode. I've been listening since episode number one, albeit inconsistently, because life is like that. I just, and I also wanted to let you know that um, yours is the only podcast I can make it all the way through. Nice. Um, I appreciate the clarity uh, of, of the sound, uh, the way it's structured. When you put things together, uh, the opinions, the insights, the humor, you guys are awesome. I look forward to the next thousand. <laughs> <laughs> hey, James Burke. A thousand? There's not, there's not many people that come into the store who I have just actually respected from day one. So thank you for those kind words. Um, and yeah, I, uh, for what this is worth, I think you're like a really fucking good dad. Um, and that's yeah. maybe a weird thing to say about somebody, but like that guy is a genuinely good dad. Yeah, um, so so thanks so much for for saying that. Also, like I can't imagine you made it all the way through our hundredth episode. <laughs> Nobody did. Nobody did. Dino did. That, yeah, Dino. Yeah, did. Nobody but Dino like, and Phil did. We barely did. We were here. Yeah, that's just sort of like <laughs> yeah, you make it an hour fifteen in, and you realize this is just a bunch of people spitting on each other and laughing about it. So <laughs> um, look, I farted. <laughs> <laughs> look, Django farted. <laughs> um, but thanks a lot, man. That's super kind. Thank you. A hundred episodes, boys. 101 now. This is episode 101. 
Can our feed handle that? Do we have to figure out something about hosting? Wow. Uh-huh. Does that mean we're now in the legacy numbering? That's your job, Jane. Oh, yeah. I this don't is know episode people. one again. This is Papcast V2-1. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, listen. Do we have any other guys. juice in the tank besides Murphy's? Uh, no. Cool. I, I did they... trick out my car, though. Oh, what? yeah. You, you have a car? Yeah, I got a car. Uh, I bought it because I read online that you could change it to run on apple juice. Oh! You take your Murphy's. Agent Murphy's? You take your Murphy's, and you just let it sit in the sun for about six weeks, pour (laughs) it straight in the tank, and it's ready to go. Agent Murphy's. Yep. Yep. It's not actually cheaper than gas, and it's no better for the environment, but it's kind of a cool thing you can do. All right, listen, man. We used up a lot <laughs> of good creative flow on episode 100, so uh, <laughs> thanks for chiming in for another 100 with us. You're you're in the car. You're with us. You gotta stay. We'll see you at episode 200. What else are you gonna do? Exactly. Nothing. You can come hang out with us at the store, or you can oh. send us a voicemail like James Burke did. That was super nice. Thank you, James. If anybody has any questions... If anybody has any uh, suggestions, if anybody has any elevator pitches, if anybody just wants to talk to somebody because they're hanging out alone and they just, you know, they got to get all those Power Girl covers and they're hanging out sad and solo. Like, you can do that here with us. Um, you can call us. The phone number is one 669 Thank you. And you can do it. Any time of the day, it used to ring through to the store. It doesn't anymore. It's also a different number than the store. Call it. Leave us a message. You no can email one us. We'll ever answer that phone. It's going to go straight to a voicemail. It's going to ring. It's going to go straight to a voicemail, and you can leave a voicemail. Or you can write an email and send it to info at thecomicsplace.com. Thank you, as always, to Nick Waite for letting us use his music for our intro song. You're great. Uh, great rhymes with Waite soundcloud.com slash stimmingway. And we'll, thanks to our, our buddies. Murphy's Apple Juice. Murphy'sAppleJuice.com. Go Seriously, there. Thank you. Uh, get on there. Uh, use the coupon code PAPJUICE at checkout. It'll get you that free juice. Four? Four? Is it four, four now? Four bottles. Four bottles. <laughs> that's that's better than Harry's. We've only tapped into six of the 12 free bottles that we've earned from this. So, Dude. Thank you, Mur- Murphy's. I feel a little bit toxic. I feel like my blood is made of apple juice at this point. Well, you can do that thing where you freeze it and put stuff in it. I am Jeff, and gosh, I'm burnt out on people, but not you two. (laughs) I'm Django. I'll do my best to burn you out on me. Oh, shit, it's done. (laughs) I'm Roman. I I thought you were already burned out on me, so i got to work harder. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll see you guys next week for 102. Somehow, I'll be in Virginia. Fuck. Oh, you'll be in Virginia.